0: Hey everyone, James LeBrie from Dream Theater and you're listening to or watching the podcast Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian. Enjoy this. These guys are extremely informative. I love their dialogue. I love their interpretation of the songs, who and what we are, what we were going after. They're very uh, accurate in their uh, interpretations and descriptions, and uh, just I just think this is a great show, and these guys are doing a, a stand-up stellar job. So, once again, enjoy Talking Into Infinity with JT and Brian.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Talking Into Infinity, a Dream Theater-centric podcast. I am your host, John. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, TalkingIntoInfinity.com, and the CMSNetwork.com, as well as the CMS Rumble page. You can find us at these amazing locations every other Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, with the exception of Friday, December 22nd this year, which is our big annual fan hangout show. So don't forget to tune in that week. It is going to be again at 7.30 p.m. on December 22nd. That is a Friday. We do it every year. Gorilla Farts will be flowing aplenty. Uh Thank you guys very much for tuning in. If you are watching on YouTube, don't forget to click that like button. Click that subscribe button and smash that notification bell so that you are notified every time we go live without further ado let me bring on my esteemed co-host who loves to play with madness he is the power slave himself brian hendrickson what's going on man
0: dude i'm cracking up at the message i see there. <laughs> i i don't know what you're talking about i don't know what yeah. you're talking about did you know there's a new thing on on stream did you see that feature it says like want to beef up your appearance or something want to fix yes. your appearance <laughs> yes <laughs> i did it, and i'm like i i don't think there's enough buttons in the world to try to do that for us at this point <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i i clicked it and it and it said hopeless and did nothing so oh, is what
0: it is? okay <laughs> i guess it's some <laughs> kind of a filter for shadows or something i, I don't know what it is but uh... it, yes yes So so uh it is yeah. your
1: birthday episode and you you chose the episode tonight so why don't you talk a little bit about why you chose our topic
0: well, my original topic uh was shot i don't want to say it was shot down but uh, it had to do with some keyboard players and i don't think anybody wants to really talk about those <laughs> do you remember the old joke about the the hit parader magazine they did the poll like who's your favorite keyboard player in like 1986 and it, it said a dead one people would write that in <laughs> that was, like, <laughs> yeah. I, i'm not even kidding that was like serious but uh yeah you know i started thinking like just just back to i just got these maiden tickets for 2024. And uh, I'm like, man, it's been 40 years. It will have been 40 years since I saw him last time and since Power Slave came out. And I started thinking about Power Slave and I started thinking about uh, Seventh Son. Kind of probably my two favorite Bruce-era albums and I kind of think the last album that I kind of really just, they sort of lost me after that. I don't know if I got to be Iron Maiden, get off my lawn, old guy. But uh, (laughs) I think there's no doubt the quality definitely declined. Yeah. so, yeah, and I thought it would be awesome to bring on our uh, esteemed colleague, Chris Aiken.
1: Yeah, he, he is the moon child. He is definitely a dualist. So let's bring him on. <laughs> he is the mighty Chris Aiken. I'll be done with puns for the rest of the night. I'm sure you won't. But uh, Aiken, what's up, man? Good to see
2: you, buddy. I'm at a loss for words. Just being <laughs> <here>. <laughs> We set you up perfectly. Yeah, thanks. That was easy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So thanks
1: for coming on. Sure, um, sure. It's always a good time having you on the show here. And uh, this is obviously a band that you are very familiar with. Um, yeah, I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So how how big... You and I don't think I've ever really talked Iron Maiden very much. So so how big of a fan are you or aren't you? Well, they're not I'm, Van
0: here little Dream Theater, Chris. Well, so that's true.
2: <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> Guilty. Um, I'm a very big fan of them. I've seen them... 20 some odd times Holy um crap. uh seen so, you know, them for all the way back to probably when did power sleeve come out 86 84 somewhere 80, there 84 80, yeah so yeah i think i saw this tour i'm pretty sure i saw this tour with testament at blossom um in like 85 if the tour was 85 that would be the the first time that i saw iron maiden so i think this was that tour but um yeah i've seen them a zillion times i love them um, I've actually eaten dinner with them, which was, which was like the coolest thing ever. We, we did a meet and greet on the metal show once with the Iron Maiden guys and, uh, Rod Smallwood grabbed me up and told me, Hey, get all your people over here and you know, blah, blah, blah. So I did all that, you know, getting all the winners for MMS together. And after that, he's like, Hey, do you want to go meet the band? And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes you <know>? <laughs> and he took me over and, um, um, steve steve harris just was like hey are you hungry mate i was like sure i was like look at me yes you know and and he sat me right down and we barbecued ribs and like a pic at a picnic table backstage at uh i think it was tower city or nautica one of those two places nice but yeah it was great uh great guys nice guys i'm a huge fan like you, probably not as much as these days. I haven't really loved any of the... I don't hate any of the stuff, but I don't love it either. It's just sort of there. But um, yeah, I'm a big fan. Well, real quick before
1: we get into that, we got a bunch of birthday messages for Brian here. So uh, Chastity Crawley, she said, I forgot it's Brian's birthday episode. I did research the wrong album. I've been ranking the Octavarium tracks. <laughs> well, you're two weeks ahead, Chastity, so you'll be all set for uh, two weeks from now. Uh, good friend, Kale McLeish, tuning in, says, happy birthday, Brian. Cheers for the impossible task you've laid out nice. before me here. Mike L. says, happy birthday. And uh, our very good friend, Bob Hurd, good to see you, man. He says, happy birthday, Brian. In celebration of your birthday, we should go see Maiden in Pittsburgh next year. Well, there you go.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think we are going to do. Are you going, Chris, to that show or no? I may. I don't know. I, I can't think that far ahead. <laughs> okay. well let me know we can we can carpool or something hell yeah I'll,
2: I'll bring you guys out to pinball pa we will play pinball all day and then go yeah. watch iron maiden at night that's
1: fun as hell dude so all right so you you going back to the topic at hand here instead yeah. of brian uh, almost hitting a centennial um so yeah the the last several maiden records it's it, they're a weird band for me because i think you know, Seventh Son was the last great record. I, I'm one of the few people... I know, I know Chris, you and I have discussed this, and I actually like Fear of the Dark, and you do not. Um, I, I, I think, for me, Fear of the Dark was the last one I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. I, I think all of the, the Bruce comeback records have been not... The only one I think that was really crappy was that Matter of Life and Death, because everything was slow and plodding, and that was a boring-ass record. But... The rest of them, I mean, like you said, they're just kind of there. And they're not bad, but they're not great. And I think the, the problem for me is that they've started recently on the last two or three records to get into these, hey, we're going to do these, like, 19-minute songs. And it's like, okay, Iron Maiden cannot pull that off. They, You know, a band like Dream Theater can do it because they're moving all over the place like a million times. But Maiden, it's just, you got to trim the fat. I mean, do you are you guys into anything past Fear of the Dark like you are some of the classic stuff?
0: Go right, right, ahead, Brian. I think the, uh, Chris, what was the album before Sinjutsu? I I thought that was probably Final Frontier, Book of Shadows. Book of Shadows, yeah. yeah. I I thought that was probably the one where they really, it seemed like they kind of got back to some pretty cool stuff, things going on there. Uh, Final Frontier had some good moments, but it's like, you know, just the title track itself, you know, it takes about two and a half minutes to get going. I like the riff, but then it's like by the time you say Final Frontier 45 times,
1: you we have, have a correction. We...
0: Bo- Book of Souls. Book of Souls. I, I, yeah, sorry, sorry, I screwed up.
1: Sorry, Cale. Thank you for let's correcting the, us.
0: Let's, a, let's all do an Iron Maiden show, and none of us knows <laughs> the title to the albums. Yeah,
2: why not? Hey, Kale's <sighs> our fact checker, so it's no, it's no surprise know, he's the one that called. I up. love that Master of Puppets <laughs> that these guys did. It was <laughs> yeah. fantastic.
0: Oh, those crazy kids and they're stay hungry, and they're they're burning <laughs> hell. That, that, that was thought... actually the opener was Twisted Sister on the '84 show that I saw. So in St. Louis, I could not find my ticket. But I did find, I was trying to find tickets from 84 and 88. So could you guys read this? Meet oh, my God. God. That's my only 1988 I have one. It was 1850 oh. to see uh, um, uh, sorry, Mind Crime and, uh, justice and Just for All.
2: <laughs> oh, <Jeez>. my God. <laughs> is, is that just you. absurd
0: to think about that? Oh. But I, I, real quick, I do want to go back and set the scene because I want Aiken's take on this. 1984. Power Slave comes out, a huge out year for metal. We have Ride the Lightning. uh, We have Warning. We have Metal Church, self-titled. Yngwie Rising Force, Last in Line, Defenders of the Faith, uh, VH 1984. And they embark on this world massive tour, right? Mm -hmm. They go to countries no other band has ever gone. Like, they did the Behind the Iron Curtain thing. I think they truly sort of set the stage and just brought metal to the forefront, and got zero radio play none whatsoever none i think they are the band that really turned metal into this touring machine and that that album and that tour turned them into what they are now they're one of them yeah i mean
2: the other one that you'd have to put into that mix would be scorpions same time frame you know because scorpions scorpions went from being kind of a culty thing to being a worldwide monster success with, uh, you know, with obviously Blackout and Love at First Sting. Those two two became monstrous, but they did have the airplay to go with it. I mean, Iron Maiden, if you really want to look at it, Iron Maiden was the 80s version of 90s Pantera because just just like that, you know, Pantera got no airplay either and became the biggest metal band in the world. So, Yeah. yeah, Iron Maiden definitely, and even now, I mean, look, Iron Maiden does no business on the radio here, but still sells out. They're still the headliner of any festival they play. So yeah, yeah, they're, and and it's really kind of strange when you think about it because Iron Maiden really doesn't stretch their, their, their set list very far anymore. You know, a couple of, couple of new tunes, but then it's all two minutes to midnight and Ace is high and number of the beast. And you know, I mean, could we, could we throw in somebody like
1: Judas Priest in there or, I, I was thinking Black Sabbath, but Black Sabbath because of what they did in like the mid to late seventies, because they were doing big tours. Obviously, in eighty four, they were basically shit. But I mean, they were on some damn big tours of their own, you know, at the end of the seventies, and maybe I mean, well, I, actually, I mean, even with Ronnie James Dio, you know, sure. I mean,
2: I mean, could we could we use them as an example of that as well? I don't think so. I do, do, uh, yeah. but, uh, first of all, the, the concert scene itself wasn't as big, you know. I mean, the eighties. If you think about the whole 80s and 80s metal, you know, you had Castle Donnington and, and you had those giant metal festivals that arose. There really wasn't a whole lot like that in the 70s. And as far as Judas Priest, you know, I love them. They're, they're one of my top three bands of all time. So I'm certainly not shitting on them in any way, shape or form, but they weren't as big. They just weren't, they were, uh, they were, uh. Sell out the Coliseum, which held what about fourteen thousand people, if yeah. I remember right. Mm-hmm. But they weren't bigger than that. They were never, they were never going to be the band that would draw people to travel to see them or anything. And you know, they they've kind of stayed at that level, but they they never were bigger than that. Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden is is kind of like Metallica, really, in that sense, is that they just got they got to an enormously huge level. You know and yeah they're they're definitely one of the four forerunners of it
0: well i mean look at look at just what's coming here next year right i mean priest is coming to the cavelli center i don't know what is that 6500 and maybe eight yeah $8, i don't even a- know if it's that yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's it's a great it's a I it's think great it's room the, i think it's the best bigger venue in in our area which you know if you're not from the area you have no idea but to see a band, I love that. But, but, look, Iron Maiden isn't, like, they're not even going to walk out the door unless they're going to PNC, which is where we're going to see them. I think that's yeah. what it's called, the PNC Arena yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. up in Pittsburgh, or, or mm-hmm. possibly the Q here, whatever the hell they're calling it down there, Rocket Field Mortgage House. Yeah. Yeah, so not- yeah,
2: they're they're definitely, it's it's not even the same. They're, Iron Maiden is, I mean, even today, outside of the United States, Iron Maiden is the same as Metallica is here. Yep. You know, if they play anywhere else, they're a stadium band. Anywhere else in the world. For some reason, probably the fact that they don't get any radio love at all, they're not a stadium band here. That's weird.
1: Metal Metal person Jay, he said, he made the exact comment. He said, I feel like the only real difference between Maiden and Metallica is the Black Album. And the one video.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. the one because if you think of it and really if you think about it before the one video metallica wasn't that big of a band yep i mean they were to us hardcores us hardcores loved them to death but prior to one hitting on MTV, there weren't a lot of people that were running around going, yeah, Master of Puppets and Battery. And, you know, <laughs> it, it just wasn't happening. It was They were an underground band until one, and then they well, became the global monster band. Well, yeah, I mean,
1: they, they were headlining, like, the Hammersmith Odeon on Master of Puppets as opposed to, you know, arenas over here, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for justice. And, I mean, we all know, like you said, the one video is the common factor there. Yeah. So, um, all right, well, why don't we get into tonight's topic here? So, Brian, again, you brought this up, and uh, we've done cage matches before on the show, but they've always been Dream Theater versus Dream Theater. So, Brian brought up two absolutely classic records. So, we are going to do Load versus Reload. To, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no,
2: so Reload, are, <laughs> Reload by a landslide. Bring in Lulu as a third devil's um, dance.
0: I still stand by two by four, I don't think it's that bad. Ugh.
2: Good Come Lord. on, dude, you need to be hit with a two by four. <laughs> Jesus Christ,
0: I was just gonna say that,
1: <laughs> but yeah. So, Brian, you brought up, and I think, I think this is uh, Aiken, you nailed it on social media. You, you posted about this and said, Yeah, it's you know, these two maiden records, which seems like it'd be a blowout, but it might not be. Uh, we are doing power slave against seventh son of a seventh son
2: yeah and uh
1: yeah this is like it's this is interesting to me because like the songs i know on each record i really really know and the songs i don't i had to listen to a bunch like (laughs) ah remember why i (laughs) skipped this i mean god well that's one thing that i would say about maiden at least for me they're either completely hit or miss completely hit or miss it's it's like this the good songs are good and the and the crappy ones are just shit so
2: you have more than one on each of these albums that are that are a skip every time
0: yeah good, good oh Lord. you are we're, a, we're, you're, gonna, we're, we're gonna have like 50 minutes of horrible yeah. john takes. brian brian can <laughs> you
2: just can you push him off the show how, how can you even say that? that dude
1: oh come on how can you even <laughs> say that fucking homers oh the sweet homers speak- Look at this, a squeaky tree, man. He says, "Finally made it back." My last time joining live was episode nine or ten. Well, it's only episode seventy-two, so it's only been a bit, squeaky tree. So, who the hell is <laughs> was... squeaky tree? I don't even remember he just them. said it's puzziani What's up, man? Oh, okay. No oh, wonder. it's our good friend puzziani How you been, puzziani I was just cooking Italian sausage before we got on here. I, I, I'm I'm perfecting my recipe for a huge cook this weekend. You'd be proud of me. I think I nailed it. So um look what you right. do with
0: your italian sausage on your own time that's your business man let's, <laughs> let's just talk about the album <laughs> that's
1: nice all right so let's get into this here so we're going song by song uh let's just let's just get into this here so we have Moonchild versus ace is high brian it is your birthday so i'll let you go first
0: uh, all right uh Akin, is there a more iconic opening in the history of metal than the war roar of the World War II fighters buzzing over Great Britain and Winston Churchill starts his speech? You know, I mean, we have um, Ozzy has the Carmina Barona intro, Metallica has, what is what do they call it, the Ecstasy of Gold? Ecstasy of Gold, yeah. Yeah, bad, you know, but that's not even their song. I mean, th- this this was an Iron Maiden staple opener for years. I don't kiss Detroit Rock City, I guess, the Hellion Electric Eye yeah. The, probably the biggest two that I can compare these two. And another one you're going to laugh at, but Def Leppard used to open with Stage Fright for years, and I thought it was a killer opener. Oh, that's a great way, opener, yeah. The way the guitar mm-hmm. comes in. But I am going absolute, complete, sacrilegious here, and my 16-year-old self would think I'm completely out of my fucking mind. I have to go with Moonchild. Ugh. I really? absolutely love this song. Ugh. I love the melody in it, man. I love the cool keyboard thing. And I worship Aces High. I worship the ground that it walks on. <laughs> and and I, again, I just said what an incredibly great opener it is. It, this is just barely, 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 barely. I'm going to take Moonchild. Just, I mean, like to by this much. Well, I'm on your side,
1: Brian. I chose Moonchild as well. Uh, Aces High is fantastic. One thing I will say about a couple songs on Power Slave, I wonder if I'm not a little biased because of the played to death factor um i don't think so because i don't listen to it too much but i know that you know if, if if i come up against like you know ace is high or two minutes to midnight or something i tend to skip them because i i just beat the shit out of them for myself but i'm with you brian like i to me to me they're very similar songs they both got that iron maiden gallop to it that you know up tempo thing and i think ace is high is a little catchier but i like the vocal better on moonchild and it's, it's got this like weirder vibe that I'm kind of into. And I, it, that's kind of permeates obviously throughout the Seven Sun record because obviously it's a concept album. But I, I, I've always had like a soft spot for Moonchild ever since I heard it. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going with Moonchild as well. But I mean, Chris,
2: I could see why you would be pissed at us for that because Ace is High is just almost untouchable. Ace is High is a top 20 all time metal song. Yep. Moonchild, it's hard to get to. The actual performance because of that flock of seagulls sounding keyboard enter <laughs> intro that enters the song. I love you. That hear that? Part. Diddle, 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 diddle. It's like, what is this? This is not Iron Maiden. Well, I want metal. I want guitars. And all of a sudden, we and this was my biggest problem with this album when it came out. I couldn't stand the overload of the keyboards. I'm well, sure. and that's
1: your thing, though. I mean, that's one thing we we have to preface here. You do not like keyboards. Music. I do
2: not. So, I'd, you are. that 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 is an issue with this. So. And, and that's it. I don't hate this. I don't hate um, Seven Sun as an album either. It does have some good tracks on it. I, I think Moonchild is a good track. If you cut the first minute and a half off of it, it's great. <laughs> but you got that stupid beginning part with the Seven Deadly Sins, Seven Deadly Sins. I'm like, what is this? The Wizard of Oz? Fuck you. Get to the metal.
0: <laughs> you know what? I, I will say in Chris's defense, when I first when they first started the, the, you first put I bought the CD. I had not. I don't think can I play with madness. The video may have been out, but I had not seen it, so I had not heard a song. And it starts out though, and I we'd never heard. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. We had never heard acoustic Maiden before this. Never. Uh-uh. No, not never. And they start out, and I'm like, what the hell is this? But opposite of you, once they start that arpeggiated thing, it's either a guitar synth or it's a guitar. And it's either a guitar synth on a delay or it's our arpeggiated synth part i I thought it was cool especially with the kick-ass chords in the background and like john says on the course the moon child and i love the i love the the riff that comes after each time Moon child but (laughs) yeah yeah, that that but that intro on the acoustic guitar you're absolutely right i'm like what is this i was i was scared
2: (laughs) scared. yeah (laughs) it definitely starts the out to me it started the album off in a not so strong direction I do remember. I remember the day I stole this, and I do mean stole because I remember that's how I, that's how I obtained this record was was through thievery. And I just remember putting it in in a like a Walkman and and walking listening to it. And I was like, this can't be Iron Maiden. I literally thought I stole the wrong tape. <laughs> it, it just it. I did not dig Moonchild. It's it's okay now. Now I'm sort of you know, thirty years later, I've gotten it's grown on me. But yeah. Yeah, that intro—it still sticks with me though. Even now, when I, you know, listening to it this week, I was like, "This again," you know.
0: But yeah, I mean, literally, five five albums in, I think, and we had never heard so much as maybe an acoustic guitar overlapped with with electric, but never just like that. And we're like, "What is this?
2: Not yeah. good." Well, and the, and the we, this is gonna make me sound like a total hypocrite, but my favorite song of all time from Maiden is just loaded with keyboards, which is "Passiondale." from um dance of death good lord can you can you mute him now (laughs) (laughs) yeah what the hell is that that's my favorite tune from them about you you, if you haven't seen it live you don't know because seeing it live they really do a cool cool number with it and nico runs around from behind the drums and stuff it's pretty fun actually but um but yeah and that's a very keyboard heavy song as well so all right well K- Kale's on your side, but he he
1: de- Kale says, "Reminder: You're on a Dream Theater-centric podcast. We've grown to appreciate keyboards here. No, well, you guys can." He, he says, "Hell yeah, Chris. He he's a Passiondale fan. He also says, says, 'Moonchild' for me. The acoustic intro and that huge riff build is insane. Plus, Bruce has never sounded more evil uh, until met-
2: today. Did you hear that solo song? Jesus, Uh-oh, is it, not, is it bad? not good? No, it's great. But he he's almost like a doom singer now. He's like, Whoa! you know, he's like, wow, Bruce Dickinson." He's nice. probably
1: tired of all the operatic shit, man. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, Metal Person J says The problem with Aces High is it's a perfect studio song. Live, the harmonies are all fucked up. I hate the Aces High harmony riff live, like Chris hates the live sad but true drum fill. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> and he says, Yes, I have Chris's Black Album book. Well, there you go. Look at so that. A, a, another
0: satisfied customer.
2: So do I, right here. Check is in the mail. Please right buy them. ChrisAikenBooks.com.
0: <laughs> 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 All right, I'll buy one as soon as I hang up here. Yeah. All right,
1: so moving on to track two. We have Infinite Dreams versus Two Minutes to Midnight. Chris, I will, I will let you go on this one. To go first.
2: Two Minutes to Midnight is probably my number two favorite Iron Maiden song of all time. It's a pretty easy one for me. I know it's overplayed to death. I don't care. 40 years later, and I still am not tired of hearing it. Um, yeah, it's an easy one for me. It's just... You know, it, it's just a great tune. It's just, it's straight up metal. It's it's one of the last throwbacks Maiden does in their career to the first two records. You know, it's it's one of those that just no bullshit, just straight in and come hard. And I love it. It's definitely, it, it's not even a competition for me on that one. Just how okay. John likes his gay porn. Just like the yeah. L-
0: last <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> Good Lord, you old man! Sorry. Just make your just make your song choice. <laughs> Sorry, I, I have a lot of uh, comedy stylings I want to put out. tonight. a few notes here. Oh, great! <laughs> no, um, no, you know what? You know what's funny about Infinite Dreams? It's like we get the jazzy Infinite Dreams. We actually yeah. get a little bit of some seventh and some um, diminished chords there going on top of that before it really kicks in. I feel like we're like in the in the Twenty Two Acacia Lounge or something. Like the way it starts <laughs> out. And the other thing about infinite dreams is iron maiden is we know we know this is a fact it's similar to acdc they are guilty of putting the same thing so we we get parts of the trooper we get parts of hallowed be thy name and we also get parts of where eagles dare in infinite dreams and that's just a maiden thing that's going to happen in their songs and we're okay with it but yeah chris is right i mean my god this this is just not even fair i mean two minutes to midnight like That is the ultimate perfect guitar riff that maybe took eight minutes for them to come up with. But you still have to be a genius to come up with it and put the vocals over top. And that's what Dickinson does so well, man. I mean, he can soar these killer melodies on top. And and I did want to go through as we go through each song to say who wrote. So right off the bat. Moonchild was uh smith and dickinson and Finite dreams is steve harris and i do feel that all of the adrian smith dickinson songs have more melody or a little bit catchier to them in general and that's kind of a known fact among people that are big maiden fans and same with two minutes to midnight but man that that riff is just absolutely ridiculous there's a cool you know it has a nice little bridge breakdown there and the guitar harmonies in the middle towards the end and and yeah man i mean that's just a like you said it's Top. I don't know if I have it top two, but probably easily top three to five.
1: This for me was actually closer than I thought it would be. And oh again, I, Chris, I, how do you well, mute
0: him now? So. For the love of God! <laughs> Look, man, don't like, don't I, sit here and defend Infinite Dreams against you. You will get cut off. Oh, jeez! <laughs> Just drink your four loco butt
1: ice slop and and let me talk. <laughs> oh man you're already down wow you're about to go through two of those tonight he's no he knew he was doing a show with me he had to drink a little more (laughs) (laughs) exactly we're gonna have drunk brian um yeah so this was actually closer for me than i thought it would be but again i i'm choosing two minutes to midnight but i think the reason it was closer for me is because i really did like when i discovered maiden it was it was from live after death and i played the shit out of aces high and two minutes to midnight so i think for me it's like a song fatigue thing um if infinite dreams wasn't up against two minutes to midnight for me i'd probably pick infinite dreams against a lot of other stuff i i really like the instrumentation of it um like you said brian it's almost like a lounge thing and it's like it's just it's a very interesting song uh there you know it kind of goes to different places which a lot of maiden songs do but some of them do it very clumsily i think this one does it in a very smooth fashion. So I'm a big fan of it, but you you can't deny two minutes to midnight. Like I, I tried to make an argument to pick infinite dreams and I would play them back to back over and over again. And I play infinite dreams. And I'm like, Oh man, how do I pick against this? And then two minutes to midnight kicks in. And you're like, you, you can't, you can't pick against that dude. You just, you can't, there's, there's like an immediacy to it an attitude to it. And um, it, it's, it's just, I mean, it is, an it's like when you think Iron Maiden, that's one of the songs I think of personally. So I also went with Two Minutes to Midnight. So that one, that one's a clean sweep there. Uh, let's move on to track three, which is an easy one. And if you guys say it's not, then you're both, you know, completely full of shit. Uh, Can I Play with Madness versus Lost for Words? Uh, this is an easy choice. Lost for Words is an instrumental and and not an overly great one. And Can I Play With Madness is one of my favorite Maiden tunes. I I love Can I Play With Madness, uh, even though um, it has that thing going for it. You know, I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, Can I Play With Madness is just a huge, catchy chorus, and um, it's just everything about that song. Again, it's interesting. That's the thing that stands out to me about the Seventh Son record, is that it's, it's more interesting song wise for me that being said i think there's definitely some you know while there's highs there's some pretty big valleys in it whereas i think power slave is a little more consistent but you know can i play with madness up against an instrumental i mean it's that's that's no contest even if it was a great instrumental i love can i play with madness it's that big huge multi-layered chorus and you know, it's it's just a really cool, like you know, the dig, 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 like the jogging guitars over like the kind of slower, like more simple drum beat, like that. I love I love that kind of juxtaposition. So for me, it's
2: easy. Can I play with madness? All right, um, it's lost for words, a hundred percent. Are you kidding me? Can I Play With Madness? I I love it. I love it. Can I Play With Madness is the official start of the downfall of Iron Maiden. It is my absolute least favorite song in their entire fucking catalog. What? I, I hate this song. And it is the blueprint that everything from Brave New World until today is. It's just melodic just for for m- melody it's an impression of what steve harris thinks iron maiden is no i hate that song i'll take Lost for words i'll take any other song in their catalog over can i play with madness oh my god you are on drugs i don't like it i don't like it well, it's just it's just sing-songy schlock which is not what iron maiden was
0: I, I, I will say, Chris. The only oh. thing on that last part of your argument is this is another uh, Smith Dickinson tune, if I'm not mistaken. I think Steve Harris had a little something to, something to do with this one as well. Well, you might have, but okay. <laughs> so, uh, lost for words. Like, I always like this instrumental. But again, there's a lot there's a lot of Where Eagles Dare going on in there. <laughs> sure, mean, those rhythm parts. The asc- but the ascending main theme is a really cool melody in there. Um, there's a lot of cool like Baroque circular riffs with the harmonies you know and the power comp ports chords come in you know this is closer than i thought it would be <clears throat> i completely understand what aiken is saying about this i mean this is the most commercial course you know th- this is their ingve heaven tonight yeah um, thing you know it's it's probably the only time they've had a super major key course made you know but i don't know i still like i love the main riff but if you actually think about the lyrics it, it is beyond stupid it's I mean, terrible
2: it's terrible I, lyrically and I, I, I'm gonna go even further it is the um, the memory remains of Metallica's catalog just sing songy shit can I play with madness da, 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 da.
0: shut up the, the give prob- me some metal. The problem is, though, it, it's still, Lord. those of us with weaker will, it still hooks us in, you know? But I completely understand what you're saying about it. Like, I remember the first time I saw the video, and I was like, after I heard the song, too, and I'm like, I started thinking, like, what? This is a really dumb lyrically. But it I really is. like the guitars, and I like the melody of it, and... I don't know. I guess it's okay for Iron Maiden to have a pop song, but I, I completely understand your, your point on this And, point. and I
2: think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, either of you or both, I think both of you probably like this a little better because as dream theater worshipers, you like that, that tempo change thing. And I hated that on this. I hated how they, they would do from the galloping to the sing-songy back to the galloping. I
0: was like, come on. Just no, pick, I, pick I, something. I, I, I would say, I probably disagree. I don't think I love it either. I, I know exactly what you're saying. So, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's, a weird, it's a weird song, man. I mean, it doesn't, yeah. there's no other Maiden song. We do this when we talk about Dream Theater and we get these five to six songs. There is no other song remotely in the realm of Can I Play With Madness.
1: Well, JG3 tuning in. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. He says, how you doing? We are doing well, except for Akin being a total, like, numb nuts about this song. <laughs> uh yeah, metal person J says, "Can I play with madness?" Is not a sixteen-minute drawn-out slop. I'd prefer every modern Maiden song be short and catchy rather than fucking Empire of the Clouds. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And Cam McLeish is on your side. He says simply Aiken's right. I'm just, I'm just gonna disagree, man. I, it's catchy. It's got some great guitar stuff. Um, yeah, I, for me, it's not the tempo change, Chris. I just, I, I've always found it to be catchy. You know, it but but be. but then again, I came in at Power Slave. And so you were like kind of like a from the beginning guy, more or less. So You were used yeah. to, you know, the, yeah. the, the heavier stuff, you know, the, the more metal. So, I, so for the, I can see why this would be kind of your jarring.
2: favorite. Your favorite Van Halen song is Love Walks In. So we get it, John. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. no, it's not. You're wrong asshole if you're gonna take a dig no, I know right. it's dreams
1: I know what it no, is that's my second favorite song right, what's my your number what's when, your number
2: happy, one um happy Trittles when it's love, yeah happy trails <laughs> yeah no.
1: when it's love it's actually my favorite song of all time go ahead and make fun of me oh I don't give a shit God. you know it's a great song and you love Good it too Lord, I do to love you.
2: it I do shut love up Brian <laughs> I love it more than can I play with madness that's for sure oh
1: boy J- jg3 says I think I can play with ma- or I think can I play with madness is kind of like a status seeker type song Personally, I love it, and I love Seven Son of a Seven Son.
2: Well, we'll get there. Um, don't you think though? And and I'm trying to remember the timeline exactly, but Iron Maiden was starting to slip at this point. This was kind of where they were starting to slip. And don't you think Can I Play with Madness was kind of a weak, a weak throw out there to to you know to compete with the hair metal bands a little bit to to get some of that MTV and to get some of that um. You know that that more or less the m t v money
1: yeah I don't yeah i would I would agree probably. with that because I mean you, you I mean power slave was like the peak, and then somewhere in time was after that, and it wasn't nearly as big i mean the stage the stage setup was kick ass and everything, and you know I'd wasted years, but I mean that was definitely not nearly as well received, and so you're kind of they're kind of like okay, we gotta kinda yeah. get back in here, so yeah, I would agree. Because, you know, I mean, I mean, Somewhere in Time comes on the heels of, of what, like Killers and Peace of Mind and Power oh. Slave, and it's like you, you're you following those three records up, and it's kind of a dud compared to those.
2: What is? Somewhere it's, in Time? It, compared to those other three records, I think people uh, would say. I think some people would say. I mean, I, guess I guess like we got, it. We, we
0: got to have another podcast.
2: I was going <laughs> to say, that would be my favorite Maiden album of all time, uh, Somewhere in Time. So, really? Okay. Uh, I love it. I play it at least once a month still still today at least once a month i love it okay interesting
1: um i i I really like it too i I think there's a couple duds on there too like i say iron maiden for me is like really hit or miss the songs i like i really like and the songs that i I, i'm just like
2: it 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 just sounds like they're trying too hard to be iron maiden a lot of times i definitely get that especially lately now they're just a karaoke version of iron maiden
1: yeah, it's kind of I don't know. <laughs> Kale McLeish says Aiken hasn't
2: stopped being right yet. He's I know I knew you know, I
0: liked Australia. You know <laughs> I knew what's, it. Hilari- what's hilarious is I've completely called exactly what songs you guys were going to pick each time. <laughs> no nice. shit. Not not like this is so difficult, but uh, it's a little more difficult with Chris because I don't know him that well. But with Drake, it's I can tell right away. You know, I do want to bring up a quick point. So we talked about '84 okay. and um, Metal Person J started talking about Halloween. So in 88, like, these are two, four years apart. We still have four. We have monster albums out the ass. We have Mo- Operation Mindcrime, Keeper of the Seven Keys Part Two, Halloween, obviously Justice for All. Uh, one of, I think, of more underrated, Ozzy, No Rest for the Wicked. Yeah. Uh, Slayer, That's a great South- half record. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Well, it's only like six songs anyway. Yeah. The first yeah. half is great. The second half. Slayer, South of Heaven. And I, I don't, I mean, as much as, John talks about this Keith Richards talk is cheap album. I don't think it's that great, but shut he, up. He he raves about it. And it was you missed you missed so. a
1: monster, which an, another record that Aiken disagrees with me on. Fucking State of Euphoria Anthrax. That record's killer.
0: That's '88. Okay, yeah, that, that yeah. is a good album. I agree there. Um, yeah, I I love
1: rare. it. <laughs> nice. All right, let's move on to track four here. Uh, Brian, you'll be up first. Of course, we have the evil that men do versus Flash of the Blade.
0: What do you got? Dude, The Evil That Men Do, great song, but Flash of the Blade. This is a song that never, ever, ever gets its due. The opening riff, I remember distinctly reading, I think it was guitar player for the practicing musician. Eddie Van Halen actually used parts of that, of the hammer-on parts, ended up becoming a source of infection. So massive props to Adrian Smith and EVH. I actually checked, checked with Steve Rosen on this just to clarify. Oh wow, I really emailed him. <laughs> That's awesome. I emailed him, yeah, and he confirmed this and uh, I don't know if you, if you guys ever like noticed the two listening to him, but uh, I
2: I always thought it, but I never I, I just thought it was just
0: a coincidence. I yeah, never I, I never, never would have put that together. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so pretty cool, but uh you know what, man, I mean they never play this song live. I love the killer dueling guitar harmonies after the chorus solo, the melodies. Again, we get a lot of those kind of baroque Kind of Bach, kind of things with the guitar harmonies going, and I'm a big fan of that. Being a, a, a stupid keyboard player, as Chris calls me, I guess behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? This song is driven though by. I mean, Harris has those great supportive, you know, rolling bass lines. Uh, Evil that man too. I, it, this is a, a great classic Maiden song. I hate that I it goes against what I think is probably one of their top three greatest deeper cuts. Um. But, you know, like Evil That Men Do, there's, there's cool harmony things. And they, they don't do the guitar harmonies every time on Evil That Men Do, which I think is something that I wish they sort of brought into the newer stuff, just the dynamics and the flavors. A huge, massive chorus on Evil That Men Do. You get everybody singing that when they play that live. But I am going to go with Flash of the Blade. All right. Aiken, if I could
2: call Ty, I would call Ty. <laughs> i i mean these these are this is by far of the eight tracks going track for track this is the closest to me uh evil that men do is to me is the best song on on um po- not power sleeve on um Seventh sun and flash of the blade just like brian said so underappreciated it's, it isn't even funny it should be one of the staples it should have been one of the staples in their set for the last 40 years it's a great tune um man I don't know which one I would pick. Honestly, I'm just because I think I'm I haven't picked anything yet from Seven Son. I think I'm going to pick evil that men do. But I mean, it's literally like by uh, by a note, you know, and and if Flash of the Blade has anything to do with Van Halen, I got to go against it. So evil that men do.
1: (laughs) JG3 already took you seriously on the Van Halen thing in the chat. He thought you were like bagging Van Halen. I had, I had to comment. I was like, no, dude, like, like Aiken and I are about the two biggest like Van Hagar honks you'll ever meet. So don't worry about that. Um, Brian, I mean, t- I, I think to your point and, and yours as well, Chris, um, Flash of the Blade is, you know, doesn't receive the due that it, that it should. Uh, the reason is, is because it's not great. And you, you guys are, I don't know what you're smoking. It's okay. Um, it's, I will, you know what I will say? That riff is cool. But you know, what, you know what else I noticed about the riff? There there's something different in the guitar tone on that. It sounds fucking fat. That is a great guitar tone on that riff. So I mean I really like Flash of the Blade. I mean, don't get me wrong. No wonder but Van Halen Hale stole it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't care. Van Halen stole it and did it way better. Um But I mean it's good, but the Evil That Men Do is one of my favorite maiden tunes. I I, I love the Evil That Men Do. It's got this you know, again, it's got that that weird vibe to it, kind of like a darker vibe. Um you know, Flash of the Blade has some really cool instrumental stuff going on. So that, that's the part that I really like about it. But just all the way around, the evil that men do—it just has an awesome aura to it for me. And it's kind of quintessential Iron Maiden. You know, it's got the—you know—all the harmony guitars and, like you said, the flavors there, Brian. It's—you know—I I really like it for that reason. It's always been a song that stood out to me. Um, Flash of the Blade just really didn't, outside of the opening riff. You know, I'm like I'm sitting here, and, and you guys know the band better than I do. So for me, like looking at these songs, I'm like, all right, what can I sing? If I if I could sing something from it, it's like okay. As someone who doesn't listen to them as much as you guys, like that that kind of sticks with me more. And the evil that men do sticks out a lot more than so just. So un- under those
2: rules, you don't like any maiden. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's plenty of maiden you could sing along to. You know, no, I meant you. Oh, <laughs> listen, man. We're not. We're not going to get into our singing chops just because you were on an internationally released record by Jan Patrick or whatever the hell his name. That's was. right.
0: <laughs> so, you right. know, dude. The, the Kale Kale brings up a good point. He said he does evil that men do in his sets, and there that is a song you can strip down and do acoustic guitar, piano, whatever. And there are very, very few Maiden songs I think that you can like kind of take and do that too. And that's that's always John and I've talked before. That's always the mark of a really great song. Can you sit down with just you know? A rhythmic instrument like acoustic guitar, piano, and play it, and it still make it, it still makes something cool out of it, and you absolutely can. There's a million covers of "Evil That Men Do" online. There's one of, I think, I've, maybe a country singer. It's a younger girl singing it. it. Sound, it sounds killer what she's doing to it. But that's that's what I like about that song.
1: Metal Person J is uh, right with you, right with you, Aiken with the tie. Says this one is the closest to a draw for me. I got to go with the "Evil That Men Do." It's got a better chorus. I would love Flash of the Blade live though well, oh, you're never going to get that. Yeah, no. Uh, JG3 says, I can actually sing evil that men do pretty well. It sits in my vocal range where it's not out of it, like a lot of Maiden stuff. Uh, Maiden, Maiden is interesting vocally, Jay, because, I mean, there's some really high stuff, but I, it, for me, it's a little bit harder to sing the, ah, you know, kind of stuff stuff like, you know, be quick or be dead is a little more difficult. And uh, the, the one thing that's always fun about Maiden is how many times Bruce Dickinson will end, end a word like, you know, and you can just hear him like pushing that vibrato. It's like, it's you know, it's just so comical sometimes. But it, but it's so goddamn good. But yeah, so for me, evil that men do. Uh, I'm currently sitting at three songs for Seventh Son against one for Power Slave. Where, where, what are your guys' counts at? You're, you're, a, you're the opposite, Chris. I'm you're the, the prefer- total opposite.
2: I'm yeah. three to one on Power Slave. What about you, Brian?
1: Besides being on mute. Besides still being on mute.
0: I was trying to look at my votes. Uh, What are we at? Song five? Uh, Yeah, we've done four so far. I think I'm half and half. Okay. That's
2: That's what I always thought.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. So moving on to track five, we have crap versus crap. Uh, We have seventh son of a seventh son, the title track.
0: Oh, my God. Versus the duelists. You are absolutely smoking. Go ahead. Aiken.
2: No, no, no. Aiken's up first. Um um i i I would go with the duelists obviously it's older it's better um seven son kind of violates my number one rule which makes me not even qualify to be on this show but (laughs) it's way too fucking long (laughs) it's way too long i don't like long songs very much at all seven son is very long there's about five minutes of it that you could cut out and make it into a decent song like like all of Dream Theater, it's very undisciplined writing. Oh, it just, word. it just no. I, I I'll go Duelist. Even that's too long. That's probably six seven minutes long, and it's um it could be cut down as well. But I'll take the Duelist. At least it's got that kind of crunchier sound.
1: Yeah, I I'm going. I'm with you, Aiken. I'm actually choosing the Duelists. Uh, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, I think, is needlessly long. Obviously, you know, being a Dream Theater podcast, I don't mind longer songs if they're done correctly. And Seven Son of the Seven Son" is not, and it's—I mean, it's right off the bat. It's—it's it's not. I mean, and it's not even really interesting throughout. You know, the—I mean, the the chorus is just saying seven Son of a Seven Son" over and over again. Yeah, and then afterwards, it's just whoa, all the woes. Like, okay, like you're out of ideas. Like, let's trim the fat off of this son of bitch and get to the point. Like, I—I just—I, I'm not a fan of that at all.
2: I wonder what it is about this song that made them want to name the album after it. Well, I mean, it's the concept. You know, it's the whole. Concept. Yeah, I, I get it, but I don't know. It's 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 such a crappy song. <laughs> <laughs> by, by the, I mean, if you look at the other seven songs, I think they're all better, except for "Can I Play of Madness." But you guys all disagree with me on that. Yeah. But.
1: No, I I would completely agree with that. I, I, I think this is by far the weakest song on the record. I mean, it's got some cool instrumental stuff after that middle part, which is absolutely pointless. That That's a perfect example of what I was saying earlier, where Maiden, like, when they try to, like, throw different parts in and go, you know, be, and get a little proggy, sometimes it works, and sometimes it is really ham-fisted. And this is a perfect example, that middle part, like, what the hell are you doing? And, you know, the Duelist is just not great by any means either but at least it gets to the point and it's over quicker so um (laughs) (laughs) you
0: know like so i'm I'm going with the duelists so well nothing like following up two horrible takes so at least i can talk some (laughs) sense like look metal pierce and j jg3 are are both on my side you guys are i don't know what the god's name you're smoking here you know the duelist and chris chris will really appreciate this the duelist is Basically, it's the extended version of Quest for Fire. Like Quest for Fire, eh? I think we took five minutes to write the main riff, right? Yeah. Maybe maybe they took nine on the Duelist. I do like where some of the 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 dueling guitar parts go. I I, what's kind of dumb to me is we have Flash of the Blade and then we have the Duelist, and you know, I the only person really that excited about songs about crossing swords is probably John. I don't think it's that great of a (laughs) what the hell's wrong (laughs) with you, man? So, like, I don't need to hear <laughs> two songs about Swords Crossing in a row. <laughs> Maybe John yeah. does, but, the, you know, that's why he loves it so much. Uh, you know, That was the, damn good. That was the, damn good. The thing I will say about the duelist and, and the newer Maiden, I did double-check. They, they only take 52 seconds to start the lyrics, and that's what this crap with the newer stuff. Sometimes you're going borderline a minute and a half to two minutes before we get any words. Yeah. But, man... I'll tell you what, Seventh Son, I absolutely love this song. I think you guys are way, way off the bat. I love the middle breakdown. There is, um, and this, again, is an aching thing because John doesn't listen to anything other than, than Van Halen and Dream Theater. What is it does. with you? I, I don't know. What, I, being I, right, I, being I, accurate? I, I, what? Yeah. <laughs> so off of Mob Rules, and, and this is a weird coincidence, remember E-5150? Yeah. Mob so that those little guitar Things that's kind of what the middle part of those. I love those echoey, sludgy things that I love that. And I think it was JG3 put in there stuff about the tension and the release and all that. I I just think the song builds and builds and builds. I don't think it's too long. I love the layers of the keyboards, but those chunky riffs that echo out on there. You don't hate the repetitive
2: seven son of a seven son, seven son of a seven son. I
0: I, well, I, I hate it on every. On the last five albums you know in the last 12 years that they're doing that on i didn't hate i don't hate it on this all right and i, and I didn't hate it then but i i totally understand that that this has that feel to it but i just think the cool guitar and the in the tension and stuff of it just makes up for it and it is a little hokey the seventh son of the seventh son but i love the guitar behind it so i i don't know it that makes up for it for me
1: oh man Ugh. yeah <clears throat> Yeah, there's a lot of people defending that song, man. K- Kale says, you know it's a concept album, right? Up to up to uh evil that men do is the original seventh son, and then this point on is his seventh son. Yeah, I mean I, I mean I, I get that, Kale. It's just it's it's not a great song. It's very yeah. this 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 song sounds like a demo that wasn't finished. If I you gotta take I mean? a class right. to
2: understand, then I don't wanna hear it. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 well, it's... I mean
1: you get that middle part, like, like the, the the spoken word part or whatever. Like, okay, I get it. Like, all right, well.
0: I, <laughs> I, I love this comment from Metal Person Jay. Quest for Fire has a riff so stupid you want to slap Stop Steve Harris upside the head for it. <laughs> that, that's what, I mean, do you feel like that on the duelist with quest for fire chris or am i out of my mind on that one you're not crazy on that
2: one no okay I I, you're crazy on your with... Seven Sun take but um okay, not okay. yeah not not on that i mean it, <laughs> okay it, 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 you're at, you're accurate there it's just, okay i don't know again to me the the biggest problem with seven Sun is it's too damn long it's yeah. just if, if it was a five six minute song i'd probably be okay with it and if it just didn't drone on the, the last two minutes of it they could cut all of it just cut it all and do a fade, and it would be as good or better than it is now at yeah. nine nine fifty or ten fifty or whatever it is. I, I forget how long yeah. it is, but it's like ten well, minutes.
0: And shocker, going to our list, both of these are are Steve Harris songs, you know. So the the you know they're, they're by both accounts they are probably too long, and especially the duelist. I don't think the riffs the the main riff is not there, but they do get into those cool guitar harmonies. And I, I like the vocals on it, but again, we need two songs back to back about swords and fencing or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't
1: the lyric start with like like slapped with a glove or something? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <Ugh>.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: it's so <it's>, anyway. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's just man, oh man. It's just that's that's crap versus shit right there. So um All right, let's move on to track six. We have The Prophecy versus Back in the Village. And if I hear either of you try to, like, just posit how great Back in the Village is. Oh, my God. Mute him, Chris. Are you
2: kidding me? The lyrics are terrible. Well, I wasn't going to, but now that you put the dare out there, of course I will. Oh, my (laughs)
1: God. Oh, dude. No, I mean, The Prophecy... I'm taking that one and this is one of those ones it's kind of like you know the previous two songs. Like neither of these songs are great but I slightly prefer the prophecy just because of at least for, if nothing else the acoustic outro. I think that's a beautiful piece of music. I love that. That's cool. And again, the lyrics for back in the village are just so stupid. It's like what 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 are we talking about here? Like you know like like I I just, oof. It's just not great. And again, this song just does not stand out. When I went back and listened to Power Slave, it had been a few years since I listened to Power Slave, and I was like, God, I don't remember this. And about a minute in, I was like, yeah, now I remember why I don't remember this.
2: <laughs> it's ugh. Is this song know. so bad that it's making your cat howl? Yeah the, yeah, the cat's trying to get in. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is that bad. Oh <laughs> back
1: in God. the Village is, tr- is making my cat try to get back in the man cave. Good um, Lord. But yeah, just not not great i mean how how are how seriously how are you going to like just tell us how this is glorious brian it's not a good
0: song it just isn't dude this this so this was i i unfortunately i no longer have my vinyl this was the first song on on side two Mm -hmm. that opening riff is absolutely killer it's one of the most underrated riffs maiden has ever done because it's not killer no it's absolutely killer those cool pull-offs and hammer-ons very very cool uh you know what man? and this song i don't think is was if, from what i could find out online it was maybe played a few times live in poland but probably not uh man i i absolutely love the riff on this song you know i mean the lyrics are, are kind of weird but so is the lyrics of two minutes to midnight man i mean you know that I, I don't see any difference between the two i mean i think this is one of my probably top 10 iron maiden guitar riffs i love the way the song, the riffs circle around you know all the time and I think this is Dickinson as absolute greatest vocally. He's way, way, way at the top of his range on the verses, the courses, the bridges. It feels like the song's going to fly off the rails at any time. It's a very, very loose, just full-on blown metal. And then you have the probably the biggest turd Maiden has done on this album in The Prophecy. So, <laughs> and I'll tell you why it's a turd, because... There is a reason they do not let Dave Murray write songs. He is barely, 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 barely ever in any writing credits. Guess who has the first writing credit in mm-hmm. my notes for online? Dave Murray. Yeah. This song is disjointed. It's all over the place. It is by far the worst song on Seventh on Son. It's the one that I come closest to skipping. Uh, there's a couple cool things, I think, towards the end of it that save it a little bit. But uh, I mean, I do not know what John is smoking if he doesn't like the riff on back in the village. You, you, I, I don't know what's in your ears if you don't think that's a killer metal guitar riff,
1: dude. You you are just like sucking at the teat of some of these songs. You really are. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to admit that it's not great. And I'm getting called out in the chat. J G Three says for being an idiot. Oh, shut up! He <laughs> said J G Three says that's a heck of an argument, John. It just isn't. Yeah, like. Like Aiken just said, if I need a class to appreciate it, then it's not great. And yeah, sometimes that is the explanation. Do you want to sit here and have an hour long discussion, Jay, about why Lulu is a piece of crap? Or is it simple enough to say it fucking sucks? Sometimes something just isn't good and you don't you don't need to say more. Yeah, There's like no- your take. Your take <laughs> isn't good, you don't need to say more.
0: You're exactly right.
1: <laughs> oh my god. My birthday episode is going to be you not on it.
0: <laughs> hey, we already did like 14 episodes of 1984 for your birthday episode. Oh, right? please. Please. Chast- Chastity well, Crawley.
1: John, if I needed reasons for Octavarium, you need reasons for this. Like, No, it's just that bad. And well, Octavarium's now, good.
0: I'm dying to hear Aiken's take now. I don't. I'm wonder if he's going to be in the middle or he's going to actually crush one of us. No, I, I'm... I
2: think, I'm going to ask the question first. John, when you first, which one of these albums did you hear first? Power Slave. Power Slave. Did you hear it on a cassette or on a CD? CD. There's there's why. So by the time you got to this, to this song, back back in the village, you, you could potentially have had some Iron Maiden fatigue by the time you got to it, when you first heard it. If you were like me or Brian, that that I got it on a on a vinyl, and I'm thinking Brian said he got it on a tape. Um,
0: vinyl, I was vinyl as well. Okay,
2: so it was a fresh start. It was a fresh start, and that riff does absolutely conquer. Back in the Village is definitely the better tune. Dave Murray is a terrible writer. I I agree a thousand percent with, with you there. Um, that being said, I don't necessarily, and this is kind of where I guess, guess I stray a little from you both. I don't think this is a very, I don't think it's the most Iron maiden sounding song. You know, if anything, it sounds like a lot of the stuff that Bruce took to his solo career. You know, it, it's, it's a little more there than, and, and obviously it's him and Adrian that wrote the song. So very much, it could have been something that they were dicking around with and didn't know where they were going to put it so um i would take back in the village i don't think that it's this you know 99 to 1 that that brian is going with i think it's a little closer than that but um but i i definitely would take back in the village as well okay uh some facts about this
1: actually uh metal person J says that the lyrics are based on the British TV show The Prisoner. It's essentially The Prisoner 2. And Kale says that Back in the Village is kind of great instrumentally, but Prophecy has that acoustic outro. By the way, Back in the Village is a Prisoner sequel, and I actually love it. See, I like the concept of that. I mean, if you're going to do sequels, I mean, you know, excuse me, at least it's not, you know, Unforgiven 2 or 3 or 17 or whatever the fuck, but... Look, look at Jay. <laughs> when Bruce writes music, is it called him dicking around? <laughs> Good Lord. He's dicking, wow. son. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, my God. All right. Moving on to track seven. We have what is, for me, the most difficult choice on the record. So I'm sure you guys will shit on me for that because you shit on me for everything else. But uh, this, is a, this is a very contentious episode of Talking Into Infinity. Um <laughs> Yeah, so we have the clairvoyant versus power slave. Brian, you are uh, you are up again on mute. What is it with you? Sorry, I was just
0: making sure I didn't was, all coffee, that cocaine he coffee. did before the show is <laughs> getting to yeah. <under> his throat.
2: <laughs> I'm just waiting for the
0: edibles to be legal here. He's got coke lip. <laughs> no, you know what, man? It, I'm actually going to, after completely thinking John was out of his mind, I'm going to kind of agree here. This is. I don't know, man. I, I love the, you know, obviously, Power Slave, a killer intro. You feel like you're going back to the, you know, the pyramids of Egypt. You, know, the, you have this, the maiden staple of the double accents on the snare from Nico, you know, the calling card, that Steve Harris galloping bass line as well, you know, guitar melody before the chorus. I mean, this is metal heaven. We're talking about Egyptian gods lyrically, right? What What is this? This is metal 101, you know. It, one of their, probably their best melodic solos in that little breakdown they have. Um, I like the way they mix the tempos. This song kind of builds and builds and builds. I think we end up with almost three full solos by the end of this. But man, the clairvoyant, I mean, there's a lot of great, cool synth pads that Chris absolutely probably totally hates. <laughs> yep. But I, think, I, I, was, I was waiting for <laughs> that. I, I think they really fill out this song. I do agree that they probably do overdo it just a tad on these keyboards, and he'll probably say one note is overdoing it. But, but they're they're a little saturated. But man, I you know what? My difference between and I'll just see what you guys think. The difference between these two albums is I think the Power Slave is carried by guitar riffs, and Seventh Son is more carried by guitar, th- th- you know sort of mel- melodic themes. Right? Two Minutes to Midnight. That's just a flat out riff. You know what I mean? But then things like, you know, like the Clairvoyance, perfect example. Those, those are guitar melodic themes, you know, and I, th- I think it's one of the coolest things they do, and it's kind of major sounding, and and, and I don't know. I'm, I'm going to probably just barely, barely, barely put Power Slave over this. I, I almost want to go back to where Aiken did a tie. This, this is way, way closer than I thought it would be.
2: All right. Power Slave. I, I, I knew it was gonna be after you <laughs> I don't want to hear the human league doing Iron Maiden, so I'll i I'll pass on the clairvoyant. The I will pass <laughs> on the clairvoyance. Does that sound like <laughs> human league? <laughs> this is oh, this is just there's again, I want I want maiden to be a metal band. And the keys in this take that away from them. And I'm not trying to say that that it that if you use keys, that makes you unmetal. I'm saying the oversaturation of keyboards on this album makes it unmetal. It reminds me a whole lot, same time period of Rush, when Rush all of a sudden decided that they needed keys and keys and synth and all that in their music. And they went from being a really good rock band that was inventive and different to just trying to get on mtv gla- gla- glass tiger <laughs> glass tiger another one unfortunately i saw them live once but um but uh yeah the clairvoyant i hate i do not like the clairvoyant um and power slave come on it's the title track for god's sakes it's
1: it's a great song <laughs> <laughs> jg3 sent chris aiken back to his adrenaline mob podcast i can't not me my ears.
2: not me <laughs> adrenaline <laughs> mob no
1: yeah i think you got somebody else jay because because aiken's with me i we are not adrenaline mob guys yeah no,
2: i don't like their drummer
0: as long as they're not doing <laughs> their own songs Adrenaline <laughs> <Mob is fine. laughs> like...
1: well all right so for me again this this was the most difficult choice on the record i love power slave um, there's a killer cover out there with a uh, 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 Chuck Billy singing on it, which is just hilarious to hear Chuck Billy singing Iron Maiden. But it, it's 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 pretty cool. So definitely, I, I, I think this is the heaviest song on the record. I think by far, at least for me. Um, I love Power Slave. It's a great song. This is two heavyweights just going going toe to toe. But the Clairvoyant, I just I, there's something that I've always loved about this song. There, there's like four different unique interesting parts that you can look at and like oh the bass you know the bass intro you know and then you know the the, the verse like get it to get it together what do I to have? and then you get you know the harmony guitar solos and then the chorus like there's just and it's so compact They they throw a whole bunch of stuff into a very short period of time and it all works Uh, i really like that and i i think for that reason i'm going with the clairvoyant i mean it's you know it's funny because like three of my favorite iron maiden three or four of my favorite iron maiden tunes are on on seventh sun um but the clairvoyant i just i like it a little more than power slave i I think because it's a little more interesting to the ear even though power slave does have some really great changes you know i mean kale mcleish was talking about it uh up in the chat. it's it's actually his favorite. He says, but he says there's no argument for track seven. Oh, Power Slave, that's the greatest riff, plus the most menacing chorus turnaround, and the greatest solos. No, nope. Power Slave wins my favorite song. Yeah, the the chorus turnaround is awesome. Musically, it's great. I, I just, I, I think I'm going. You know, I'm, I'm, well, I don't think I'm definitely going with the Clairvoyant. I will say
2: this: the the live version of Clairvoyant that came on the the reissue. Much better than the studio version. Yeah, th- that song just fucking slays live, man. Yeah.
1: Why? Because there's zero keyboards? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, dude, Chris, it's funny. Like, I. I know where the keyboards are on this record, and some are very, very prevalent. Mm-hmm. But I don't hear them as much as you do. Maybe it's because you actually hate them that much that you're, <laughs> well, you are notice probably. them more. <laughs> that's probably it. You know, I'm, th- I'm thinking of the clairvoyant. I'm like, I'm like, where the hell are the keyboards in
0: the clairvoyant? Like, I'm trying to it, think. Know, b- besides throughout the entire song, where are they, Chris? Yeah, I don't oh. know.
1: <laughs> Dude, but I- I'm so used to listening to the bass and, like, the guitar and everything that I don't pay attention to it.
2: Never so. heard any keyboards in Billy Joel either, did you? <laughs>
1: You know, I don't know why I fucking bothered doing this with you guys. I should, I, I don't know why.
2: 1984, no keyboards. I remember that. Listen, asshole. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate you guys. <laughs> you can open the door. I'm gonna walk oh, through it. Of course, Elton John. I wonder if he ever tried using
0: keyboards. You suck. You know the the dumbest comment ever. Question: The dumbest comment ever made to me at a cover band show, and there's been plenty. Was you know they should really turn up your keyboards. I couldn't hear them at all when you guys were doing that ACTC song. Yeah. Wow. Really? <laughs> Let's move the fuck on, you dickheads. So-
1: <laughs> all right, Chris, you're leading off the last one, and I, I, I'm interested to see where you stand on this one. All right, but, well, uh, is it is. A, it's, it's, it's an it, absolutely it's, simple one, but go ahead. Okay. All right, we have we have album closers. Only the good die young.
2: Versus "Rime of the Ancient Mariner." Go, uh, "Rime of the Ancient Mariner" blows. I know it's the it's it's the one that everybody loves. I hate it. Oh my God. It's it's entirely too long. Entirely too long. That whole breakdown where they just kind of stop and dick around and try and build the build back up. I hate. I, I hate. I skip it every single time. Um, Only a good die young is a good tune. Not great, but it's good. And I hate "Rime of the Ancient Mariner." Always have, always will. We literally use "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner" on the CMS when we have um, tech problems. (laughs) Whenever we have tech problems, we play. We we have two songs that we use all the time. There's a 15-minute version of Dawkins "Too High to Fly" live, or "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner," and we literally keep them in a separate folder on Neely's computer so that if we ever have tech problems, we can just play these long, fucking shitty songs. And, and kill time while we fix the tech. No, <laughs> I, I hate it. Hate hate Rime of the Ancient Mariner. That's I'll never, probably never listen to it again. I listened to it yesterday. I was like, oh, when is this going to end? <laughs> <laughs> well, J- JG3 has a question for you. He says, Chris, is there ever
1: a 14-minute long song that isn't too long? No.
2: Do, There's do not. You have, do you have any, any songs that you like that are of that length? Uh, 14 minutes, No. Longest song that I like is probably what's Which which one's longer, Coma or Estranged? Estranged is like nine twenty eight. Then that would be my that would be it. I don't like long songs at all. Yeah, that, I get bored with them. That, I'm trying that, to think. That, what?
0: That's the bar we're setting for long songs that are good. Coma and Estranged. All right. How do you whoa, whoa, Haken whoa,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. Estranged is fucking brilliant. How do I? Coma. Both of you? The, Dude, Strange is amazing. A are you kidding song. me? I'm just are trying you to think kidding of Hendrix. What,
2: what are some other long songs from other bands that I might want to listen to? And don't say Octavarium because I use that to torture <laughs> no. people at the bar. Um uh to live is to die or and Justice for All from the Justice record. Yeah, Justice has some good ones. Puppets is like 8 minutes long. Yeah, just uh, Metallica has some good ones. They have some dumb ones too. Like I like Bleeding Me. I know you don't, John, but I like the song "Bleeding Me." You know uh, that's eight, eight or nine minutes long. Um, there's a few. There's nothing over over eleven minutes that I can even remotely think of that I like, though.
1: Metal Person J nails it, and and by the way, uh, Metal Person J, I think anybody who doesn't love this song is completely should have their metal card removed forcibly. Yeah. Uh, he says, "I know Chris loves eight minute and seventeen second disposable heroes, and that is true. Yeah, yeah. If you don't like disposable heroes, you've got ooh."
0: So, Chris, did you hate this from the second you got the album? Then,
2: Rhyming Ancient Mariner." Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, from day one, and, and honestly, I love the first half of it. Yeah. But then when it gets to that it's like all right steve we know you can fucking play bass we got it you know and i know it's i know it's building up to the big crescendo of the where he goes Wah! and then he you know it's like Ugh! i'm just like just stop i'm not watching a fucking play <laughs> well the,
1: i guess this is where i give my take which is the polar opposite of course it of is <laughs> wow this was the easiest one for me. As soon as Brian, you brought this up, I was like, "Well, I Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner' is winning because it is my all-time favorite Iron Maiden song." Okay, and it's
0: the first time I was totally wrong. I did not see that coming from anyone. Well,
1: okay, and I, what's weird is that I was it, I I was into this song before I was like crazy about Dream Theater. Like I was into Dream Theater, but I was like the super. So it, it's not the fact that like oh it's Dream Theater because it's long and stuff. And I. I love the middle part, Aiken. Like I think it's so weird, and it's just so interesting. And I love, I love the fact that it's based off the Coleridge poem, and you know they pull pieces of the lyrics out of
2: there and stuff like that. And it, was well, it, long it, enough where you go back and find the find the book and read it and <laughs> read the history of the poem. <laughs> I just I love it, man. This this song
1: is very interesting to me. It's what is it like like 14, 15 minutes long or something? And it it. Brian, this is a perfect example of songs we've talked about on the on the show that that are really long but don't feel like it. Like this to me, I could listen to this over and over again. I the the and I, this is actually the song that really grabbed me and got me into Iron Maiden because I heard it on um, uh, Live After Death, and I was like, "Holy shit, what is this?" And I, I absolutely loved it. It's it's two trips
2: to the beer line, is what it is for me. <laughs>
1: Just just get a shitload of beer at once and go and just No. You, there's so alive. much time with this
2: song when it's playing that I can go and get a beer, drink it, get another and drink it. Oh man, but it's so good. The melodies are great. Not live. The lyrics are cool. Ugh. What do you mean not live? I didn't like it live either. <laughs> I don't like it. I, I do not like it. Yeah, but you think Passion is like fucking better. Better tune like better tune. pigs or something. No, I didn't say that. I just said it's a better tune than this.
1: No, no, I'm gonna disagree completely with you on that. I, I love rhyme of the ancient mariner. I think it's I think it's awesome. The middle part just adds this really creepy vibe. It it makes the song completely unique. It's like completely different from anything in the catalog to me. Uh, I'm not as well versed in the catalog as you guys obviously, but you know from what I've heard, which is most of it, even if only in passing, I love it. I, I think it's a kick-ass tune. Again, this 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 was basically the song that grabbed me and got me into Maiden, and to this day it, it has remained my favorite song. I absolutely love it. So it, this was such an easy pick for me. So um, I finished out it at, at, at five to three for um, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. So that, that record took, took the win for me. Brian, uh, Only the Good Die Young or Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner?
0: So I'm kind of in the middle of the two of you here. I actually agree with, I agreed with Chris initially. I actually did not like this song at all when I first got the album. And then, but now I'm going to agree with you, John. When it did come out, I had Live After Death. I had both of them on vinyl. I have neither of them now, which blows, but that's it is what it is. I'm pretty pissed about it still. But it, I don't know. It took on a new thing when I heard it on there. And I was kind of like Christopher. I sort of like the first half. Now I just absolutely love the entire song. Uh, you know, that's some interesting facts. I mean, there, I guess he originally brought in three different Samuel Coleridge writings, one of them was 1787's classic Easter Holidays. Uh, the other was, of course, the unforgettable 1796 sonnet to a river otter. Now they ended up going with rhyme of the ancient mariner instead, which I guess you could see why now. And there's no bigger I'm STC fan a, than me. A, <laughs> STC. <laughs> no, sorry, you're such an ass. <laughs> I can't, I can't even read what I wrote. It's so stupid. But no, you know what? I, I do. I, I do want to go back to epic songs because when we talk about epic songs, we oh we do God. have to look at the era of 1984, right? So going in, and you guys could chime in here. Chris probably cl- closer than than John. So we had what Inagata DeVita, right? Um, for longer metal type songs, I I threw Victim of Changes in. I did double check. I think it's just shy of eight minutes i i can't count 2112 because that whole dumb the whole song is basically an it, it's almost an album in itself right mm-hmm. um you can pick a rush thing you know off a of caress of steel or whatever that's you know they're self-indulgent kind of stuff but from an accessibility standpoint the only thing i thought kind of close for an epic rock metal song in this i i thought it was xanadu by rush kind of you know, i'm not saying they're the same thing but similar links. i think xanadu's around 12 and um, around the ancient marion is like 14 minutes but uh you know I, and by the way skip and skip <laughs> yeah but when i'm talking about xanadu i just want to make sure that it's the rush song not, not one of the greatest movies ever made by olivia mm-hmm. newton john that wasn't greece but you know what <laughs> god I mean, damn it with you <laughs> Dude, I I, I hey. love I mean I love the middle part of this song, man. It's like a John said, man. It sets Thank a movie. you. It, it, it's like a mini metal opera. I mean, th- it's dark literary historical fantasy fiction. That's that's made in 101. That's the kind of stuff. It's just like you know, it's like a 50 mile an hour fastball ball down the plate. Steve Harris knocks knocks it out of the park. Um, I just I think it's their great kind of their crowning achievement. And I I fully admit I did not like the song originally, but you know what. It grew on me, and it has that feel now, like John says, where it doesn't feel that long. Only the good die young. I think it's a great album closer. Um, I like the fact they get right to the point on this song. Co- cool, course, unique. Um, it's great sing along for the audience. You know, we get to revisit that uh, acoustic intro at the very end of the song. Right. That that
1: fucked me the first time I ever heard it. I, I was listening to it on streaming a couple years ago. I actually didn't really go to this record. Until a few years ago, like recently, like I said, and when Last it went week. back in, yeah, <laughs> I listened to it for this podcast three hours ago. Um, but yeah, when it went back into Seven Bloody Hopes, I went, "God damn it! Did I hit something? Did I skip back to the beginning of the record?" <laughs> like, and
0: I went, say, no. <laughs> I will say the very yeah. the very end of Only the Good Die Young. Like John's played enough cover bands as I have, like it has that just complete train wreck of an ending, like. Okay, yeah. we gotta end the song. Yeah. like it, and then and then there's like I don't know, it's about three and a half to four seconds and seven. At least I'm like it's kind of it's kind of stupid. I think it's almost fitting. Like they they sort of start the album like really sort of stupid and you're scared, and then they end it sort of stupid and you're scared. But the middle parts of it are like amazing.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I get it's supposed to like make it like a circle. You know, it's it's like a loop, I, I suppose, you know, the seventh son of the seventh son and the seventh son right. of the seventh. Uh, but, yeah, it kind of threw me for a loop <laughs> Like I said, the first time I heard it. So uh, what what? so what do you have score wise, Brian and Chris? What, what do you where do you guys land? Go ahead, I don't know. Chris. If,
2: I'm six to two power slave. OK. And that's a, that seems right.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> me, me and you are almost polar opposites. Yeah, I'm five to three. I think I'm 5'3 I'm power slave, so I'm in the middle of both of you. And that's how it's supposed to work, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. I don't want to be in the middle of both of you. I don't want you'd to be crushed. In eight <laughs> yeah, you'd be crushed. Exactly.
2: <laughs>
0: no one wants to be there, man. No, but John's been on a diet lately. He's eating healthy. I do eat healthy. It, d- it doesn't translate to weight Sorry. loss, but he's no longer deep
2: frying the Snickers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I'm one to talk, oh, good
1: lord. Well, like I, said, I, yeah, me, me and you, fat jokes just aren't, you know.
2: We can make them because we're fat, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, I don't. So I get. Yeah, so I mean, just back to the original concept here. I mean, Aiken, you said online. I mean, you're at six to two for power sleep, but you did say online, yeah. That it seemed like it was gonna be a landslide, but you, you thought it actually wasn't. So was this actually a little bit closer than you figured it would be, or were you just kind well, of teasing
2: I, the topic? Well a little of both, to be honest. <laughs> I, I mean yes, I was teasing the topic to get people to watch. But um but at the same time, even by saying six to two, that doesn't mean that that I hate any of the other songs. The only song I really don't like is Can I Play with Madness? That's the only song of, of these two albums that I absolutely will never listen to. Rhyme of ancient Mariner probably won't listen to that much because it's just too damn long. Yeah. You know, unless unless I have something that needs half a day to do and then I'll put it on as like background music. But but um yeah, I, I mean it, both albums have their have their place. You know, um and like I said, neither is neither are in my top two. Iron Maiden records or top three Iron Maiden records. So, you know, these are, these are kind of middle of the pack Iron Maiden for me. You know, if I was, if I was putting them in order, I would, I would put these two probably I'd put power slave at like um, four or five maybe. And, and I would, and I would put um, uh, seven sun somewhere in the um 14th not that bad because it's it's definitely not a matter of life and death bad it's def that's a bad record just yeah. these colors don't run yeah. shut yeah. up shut <laughs> up you know what let them run a little bit off my player you know <laughs> jesus christ right. but you know it's not that bad but it's definitely it definitely is is in the same boat as no prayer and fear the dark oh wow on the on the kind of lower tier of the, or initial good era. Wow. Okay. That's that's where I would put it. I I mean, if if we're rating them, somewhere in time is first. A uh, number of the beast is second. Um, A piece of mind would be third. Killers be fourth. Then you get into all the other stuff.
1: JG three JG three says.
2: Uh, Chris got the X
1: Factor on top five all time. Sure do. <laughs> Kale McLeish, screw you guys. Matter of life and death rocks. All right, Kale. Kale. Yeah, no that that is. I will never forget listening to that record and going. All right, when when does the upbeat like like ding, 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 Maiden come in? And it I got to the end of the record and it still hadn't happened. I was like, what the hell was that? Well, it, and
2: and and if if you want to really put a an Fu to Maiden, that would be the time. They go out on tour, they play that whole stupid record, and then they play like two other songs Yeah, with Bullet for My Valentine as the opener. (laughs) Not even a good opener for Iron Maiden. It was Bullet and then that. Then an hour and a half of that, and then they came back and did like two minutes to midnight and um, Run
0: to the Hills. I I was about to say, if you did not know that going in and you bought those tickets and you were treated to, you know, I'll just go ahead and take death then if it's a matter of life or death. Yes. Give me death.
1: Well, yeah. here, here we go. Metal Person J, he said, "Matter of life and death is, I guess, better than X Factor." I actually would dispute
0: that.
2: Yeah, I gotta remember what was on the. Which one has the the angel and the gambler?
0: That's X Factor, I think.
2: Yeah, because Virtual Real was terrible, and I'm uh, I'm virtual, a blaze vir- Virtual X Virtual, yeah. whatever, but Virtual Real—the song is terrible, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> just in general, that, that whole time is and I like Blaze. So let's 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 be honest about this here. I think some of Blaze's solo records are great. Blood and Belief is great. Silicon Messiah is great. Um he's he's fantastic as a solo artist, but he sucked in Maiden. Or yeah. Steve Harris sucked when he was in Maiden, more to the point. Yeah.
1: Metal metal person J, yeah, fair enough. He said Man on the Edge is better than anything on a man of Yeah. Man on the Edge is great. I mean it's, it's about good, that, that awesome. What the hell was that movie um, with with Michael Douglas? Um, falling was Down. Falling Down, yeah. That movie was awesome. It's a great movie. Oh, it my God. That was a great – and then, you know, th- that chorus, like, a briefcase, a lunch, and a man on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Like, like what, what was the lyric? Like, the, the one thing about Blaze, though, when he would try and fit something, like,
2: can't even buy birthday. It was so bad he froze up.
0: And John's gone. Yeah, I'd say, like, did we lose John? Not that that's a bad thing.
2: Yeah, that lyric was so bad that John froze up
0: and was out. <laughs> the internet was Ugh. like, the internet was like, we don't need to hear John do his Blaze Bailey impersonation Sorry. or any I other hope song.
1: <laughs> I, ho- hopefully, I'm back. It said my my internet wobbled for a well, second.
0: Well, minus the hopefully. <laughs> oh. Yeah.
1: I, oh my
0: God, I hate you, Brian. Seriously. <laughs> I I will say though, like. This is what I don't like, and John will probably be on my side on this. I don't like this. Oh, he granite. can't hear
2: you now, so it's okay.
0: Oh, that's true. He's frozen again. <laughs> I love how his eyes are frozen in that state, too. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, go figure. Like He moves from Wadsworth to uh, well, Wadsworth, and the internet is still just as bad there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I have not had internet problems in a long time. So,
1: and technically... To- <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, you just, can't, you just can't, no matter how much you you try to convince someone you can't rub two squirrels together and get electricity I don't, well, I don't, don't do not silence you, you assholes
1: you. what kind of <laughs> jesus aching you
0: especially you're not a rookie Where like, are you we're, we're still talking we can't stop laughing it's the problem
2: what, you want <laughs> to sit here and wait for you
0: <laughs> like right like now all right let's wait for him brian Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the quiet storm that is John Drake. <laughs> this is John doing his impersonation of Iron Maiden's lust for words. This is I'll John talk.
2: This is this is John doing the middle part of a uh, rhyme of the Ancient Mariner.
0: <laughs> just boring. <laughs> 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 this is gonna be great for listening back it's just gonna be us laughing like the last 20 minutes that's all right oh my god so yeah well we're gonna have to have another maiden episode man now that i know like your favorites and stuff i would love to debate uh sure some, some maiden stuff all all day dude i'll do it anytime you
2: want we can do it on a uh, chris Hagan presents if you want if you don't want to do it on on you guys' show to Pollute
0: your show <laughs> with with that. I'm I'm always game. Well, so. I mean, if your internet like holds up for an entire show, that would be a win right there. Well, has so far. <laughs> so well, yeah, cause... I mean, what do you think is the future for 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 Maiden? Because there wasn't there rumors of McBrain is like done with touring, or they're all done with touring, or Dave Murray is, or I,
2: you know, I've heard that, or I I know they just don't. I think the big part of it is it's such a huge production. That it's like very difficult to you know put together the whole production and everything, but um, I think the the signs are out there. The fact that Dickinson is putting out a solo record and he's, you know, looking at uh, (laughs) it's the best you've sounded all night. It's because I'm silent. (laughs) Right. Uh, I continue your point. I don't know what. No, I'm just saying. I I think the fact that Dickinson is putting out a solo record and has already said that he's going to tour it a lot means that uh, we'll probably get one more big Iron Maiden run, and that's it. You know, yeah. they are all about seventy, aren't they?
0: Yeah, they got to be.
2: So you know, that's a lot of that's a lot of effort. I mean, their state. If anybody that hasn't seen them, just go to YouTube and you can see they do run around a lot. Yeah. You know. Admittedly Yannick Gears can do it because he's not plugged in anywhere, but um you know, the it's for the rest of them. Incredible dancer, man. I'd love to watch yeah, he is. Dance. He's the tiny <laughs> dancer of their band. It's great. Yeah. But but yeah, I, I think they are probably winding down, so you know.
0: Yeah, that's what I I figured this show in Pittsburgh. I mean, I I don't see I mean, maybe there would be one more chance a year or two later, but I don't see much past that. That's why I'm like, I gotta go to the show.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and they're still good. I mean, that's the big thing with, with Maiden is they they're still good live. I mean, Lord knows they they're happy to sell you yet another tour DVD as they do every tour, but um, and I and I pick every one of them up and they're all good. So, you yeah. know,
0: I I think they are probably on their last legs though. You you made a good point though, man. I mean, I for them to tour that that has to be upwards of a hundred and fifty person crew maybe, maybe oh, yeah. more maybe 200 i mean the stage show they put on the, the you know just and they never play like we, we said it's never going to be anything less than probably twenty one thousand here in the states minimum, right right or yeah
2: it's kind of like a bbm tour
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey
1: we're trying to add some video shit who knows <laughs> I, I i'm with you guys on that like the, the crew they must use because it's it's like you know other other bands like okay like you may have like a giant video production and lights but with these guys like it's like a full-on 3d thing with like a fucking World War II plane flying in out of nowhere and you know like like pyramids and shit and Eddie walking across the stage like 20 feet tall like it's to sync that stuff up and actually make it work properly every night is pretty impressive they're
2: they're their tour crew. It's probably if I had to get if I had to put a comparable guess, I would probably say it's probably comparable to like the Metallica or TSO or one of those one of those that's really a, a high-end stage. Although Metallica definitely not a high-end stage, but high-end crew, <laughs> you know, they they have a lot of crew guys putting that monstrosity up, but
0: that that's another thing I love about Maiden. I mean, and I think it's one of the reasons that that made them stand out and get so popular they always have had the cool product the cool artwork you know what yeah. I mean there, there wasn't a 14 to 18 year old kid between 80 you know 1 and, and 89 or 90 or whatever that you know that was into rock or metal that didn't have at least one or two albums didn't have the shirts you know I mean they just always have made that such a major thing and I think that's what kind of bums me out like as much as I you know still have a nostalgia for Metallica and be cool to see them like I, I don't I want to see him run around in a giant circle on like that on stage. You know what I mean? I just, to me, it looks, it, I think it looks kind of silly. You know what I mean? And Maiden puts on this huge, massive show of all this stuff behind him. You know, and they make, the, they make it more about the show than the band. And I think that's sort of like what's made, made them sort of set apart.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Chris, I wanted to ask you that real quick and then, yeah. you know, we won't take too much more time because so we've been at this for an hour and a half, but um, I mean, you recently saw the Metallica tour. Yeah, two weeks ago, three and, weeks and, ago. Yeah, in Detroit, and your main concern is you hate the stage. You saw it in video. Mm-hmm. Was it as impersonal and not impressive in person as you thought it would be?
2: Um, It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but at the same time, yeah I I said this on CMS but it's it's the the exact point that I want to make. When you go see a show, whoever it is, Dream Theater or Van Halen or whoever it is, when you go to see a show and you know the parts and you get to where the guitar solo is, you kind of just turn your head a little bit and there's the guitar player and you and you're tuned into the guitar player and you know they're they're like a band. At the Metallica tour, They hit the guitar solo and the first thing you're doing is scanning around the room because you don't know where anybody (laughs) is you can't you know the stage is so big that you just you kind of just isolate on one guy generally who's in who's in front of you or who's closest to in front of you and then when you hit certain parts you know you're just kind of looking around and they did the thing with the metallica tour where they had those poles with like the little roundy screen things but they didn't always show the band guys either. So a lot of times you're looking at shitty graphics or whatever whatever instead of the band. And I um, don't, I didn't like the staging very much. I, I mean I I was very happy that I caught a good show. I caught you know I caught the old school show that had all the old school songs, which was good. but uh yeah, it, as far as Metallica shows that I've seen and I've seen them, that was my 44th time seeing Metallica. And um, it was definitely the lowest end as far as staging that I've ever seen, and that includes some blossom shows that just you know they just show up and play. Yeah, and just it, it was okay. I mean, it sounded great. They they definitely have the energy. I w- I was I was happy that there was a little more "fuck you, James" than there was "hey friends." You know, <laughs> I yeah I was I was happy about that. But um, whatever. I went to see Pantera anyway. I just hung out for Metallica.
1: Well, and, and, and Mammoth WVH, of course. I
0: beside. saw him, too. Yeah. Amazing live. But. Yeah, I, I totally agree with the impersonal thing. To me, I just it looks – because what you're doing is you just kind of see the guys, they run around, and then if there's a break or something or where they don't have to do something super serious, then they're like high-fiving a fan right there. Yeah. And you're just watching these guys just run in these circles the whole time. And I don't, There's just something – there's just something weird about it. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. It, I, think, I feel like you really lose the vibe of, like, as opposed to Maiden on a, you know, not necessarily a smaller stage, but not this huge circle. And it's like, okay, we have all the killer backdrops. It's all real. It's not like mm-hmm. virtual stuff. You know, I'm sure they still do yeah. virtual things, too. But it's like, I don't know. Like you said, it just it feels really sterile when I see that stuff. Yeah. Like, and, I, and I feel that you just don't get the same experience. Sonically. Well, I get
2: what they were trying to do. I just don't think they did it well. You know, and, you know, you swing and a miss. I mean, apparently the, even the biggest band in the world can make a mistake. But they, um, you know, what they were trying to do is they knew their popularity level after the pandemic and whatnot. They knew that they were a, you know, a, a stadium type of a band. And they wanted to try and give everybody a good view. But unfortunately, the way they gave everybody a good view was by giving everybody an average view. Because I don't care if you're in, if you're in the front... I mean, even if you're front row, if you bought the $3,000 ticket and you're in the front row, odds are 75% of the time you still don't have a guy in front of you. You know, he might be 100 yards away on the other side of the stage facing and you're looking at his back. You know, it just, and the snake pit is as well. Even in the snake pit, I think that would be the most awkward, weird place of all because you don't have everybody looking the same direction. Yeah. So literally, you could be looking this way and have this guy that's standing right here looking you in the face, because he's trying to see what Robert Trujillo is doing on the other side. It was it it was odd. I mean, it's it's I get what they were trying to do, but I just don't think it was executed well.
0: Well, there's a difference between like you know four sixty-year-old dudes up there running around; they're that far apart. And then when Taylor Swift goes up there, and she's got four hundred dancers on stage, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a visual thing that works in that medium, and I just don't think it works for these. I don't think any of these stadium shows where the stage gets that big. I just don't think it works at all for me. Taylor Swift's stage has a big
2: giant screen behind it where you can still see what she's doing, even if yeah. you're in in section five fifty-five or whatever. I think I think the in the
1: round thing is where it goes wrong, yep, honestly, because it's like you know with, with, with Taylor Swift, it's the end of the stadium it is, mm-hmm. you, it, it's just static. everyone has you know you could see directly to the stage, you could see all the all the people in the band watch who you want. The yeah. Metallica thing you know and and there it, there wasn't like a lot of staging to it either. It's not like there was like explosions and massive all this going on and on. It's just the four little dudes here and there on the stage. There's so, a lot of lights
2: and stuff, but there was For them, it, like you said, there was kinda of bare bones. Yeah. What what would have made it better was if instead of having those stupid posts up there, if they would have had kinda is it is it um Texas, Dallas Stadium where the Cowboys play that has the big ring. Yeah. The the big ring screen that goes all the way around. The, isn't, that, t- isn't that isn't
1: that SoFi? i think that might be
2: so fi. it's one of the nfl places but yeah. that would have made it better because at least then if you know for me i was in the seats you know in the seats i could just kind of look up and see who was there you know I, I mean honestly i i wasn't like the furthest seats and i wasn't the closest seats i was in section 319 so you know kind of middle bowl and um and yeah I, I spent as much time just looking around to figure out where people were than i did you know watching and enjoying the show
1: yeah
0: uh, the, to me the thing that looks the weirdest in those is just and i know john loves large drumming but it, it <laughs> looks ridiculous with just him and the drums on this ginor you know what i mean it just mm-hmm. there's it doesn't look metal at all for for lack of a better yeah. word you know what i mean it just feels like hey who's this little Elf that set up like nine drums in the middle of this seven thousand foot stage. Like he should have drove that
2: shit around like a go kart. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, pull, we'll pull a Tommy Lee. Pull like a Metallica. Seriously. Metallica used to do that on the on the um I think it was Black Album tour. They had two drum kits, yeah. and it was Lars was playing on one, and James was playing on another, and the yeah. and the kits would move. The kits would move back and forth. You gonna tell me you couldn't put them, put them on a track on that big giant stage? Just have it kind of go around so everybody can get a look.
1: Well, see that's something that'd be cool. Like again, like I know they did that Aiken, like where one would come out of the floor and then the other one would come out of the floor, whatever. Yeah. Like, but I mean do the Tommy Lee thing and have it move around the stage so it's like, you know, Lars is constantly moving. Like yeah. so that everyone like that would be kind of cool. That would be interesting. It would I mean, it'd be something cool to look at. It would take attention away from the fact that he is absolutely as putrid a drummer as there is. Like
2: just put a GoPro be, on his head and you can watch him make all those dumb faces. Oh,
1: great! <laughs> just, just, just have the GoPro play the drums. It would be better. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, all
0: right.
1: Well, on that note, why don't we jump out of here? Aiken, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dump you, but hang out backstage real quick. We're gonna okay. close up the show and then uh, we'll talk a little bit. But uh, before we go, thank you so much for coming on, dude. It was sure. awesome. It's always a blast bullshitting music with you even if i am taking the proverbial beating as i usually do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i love you man and thank you very much for coming on i know it's kind of short notice on a busy That's week for you so all good all right so uh where where can where can everybody find you man do your do your plugs here
2: um 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 classic the uh cmspn if you want all the shows uh chris Aiken presents is chris Chris Aiken Books is all my books. Blah, 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 blah. PitballPA.com. AikenITServices.com. GoFuckYourself.org. I know I know you hate the plug, so I had to set you up yeah. there. <laughs>
1: <That's fine. laughs> oh, I'll, All kidding aside, go to Chris Aiken Books, guys. He's got a couple of amazing, amazing reads out there. They're absolutely fantastic, and they kind of run the gamut. So uh, a number of different topics, and they're all basically autobiographical. So mm-hmm. check those out. It's awesome. So yep. All right, man. Throwing you backstage. We'll talk to you in a minute. All right. See ya. Yeah. All right, Brian. Now that Aiken is gone, don't you ever treat me like that on a podcast again. <laughs> I <laughs> okay, I promise. That.
2: Man, I took a I took an ass
1: kicking tonight. This is you guys you guys you know what? You guys are lucky that I, I have such a great sense of humor. I'm so self deprecating because man, otherwise I'd be so hurt right now.
0: I think you're kind of overstating <laughs> your sense of humor. I don't know that it's that great, but <laughs> No, right. dude, th- this was awesome, man. I mean, I knew I knew getting him on would be good because I know he's a big maiden guy, and he, you know we're from sort of similar, a little bit earlier area than you. And uh yeah, but I also know that you you appreciate these. You're not the big biggest fan that we are, but I know you like a lot of their stuff, and you're you know huge Dickinson. Obviously, recognize his greatness. And uh, yeah, it was fun, man. I mean, it was like i i actually did a ton of prep on the show and i probably could have came in and not done, done an ounce but i'm glad i did because i i had a blast man i i appreciate being able to do this you know we, we kind of last year we let you i said you know whatever you want to do with your birthday you're like we did i think we did eddie or 84 or whatever we did and yeah this should be a tradition man as long as we keep this going comes birthday show figure out what you want to do we just roll with it and uh that, that was fun man
1: yeah no i agree I, I, dude. it was a blast um When you, I mean, I was listening to those keyboard tunes. I was like, okay, this is cool. I just couldn't think of an angle to, you know, how are we going to promote this? And they're like, you know what? Let's just do Seventh Son of a Seventh Son versus Power Slave. I was like, oh, fuck. All right, well, now that I can do. Okay. (laughs) right. So, you know, um, I was really happy to do it because it was an interesting comparison for me because, you know, right off the bat, like I thought, you know, years ago, I would have said, oh, Power Slave by a mile. But as time has gone on, you know, seventh son is i think become my favorite record oddly so but and i, I wanted to go back to power slave and kind of compare them and it, it was just it was really fun so i thought it was a great topic so good suggestion on your part um so much appreciated obviously uh, wh- what day is your actual birthday tomorrow december 1st there you go okay yeah, all right so three, I, three hours here <laughs> there you go as we said you'll be 86 years old you don't look a day over 94 <laughs> right um especially with your coke lip there so um <laughs> so that's good but uh, yeah so all joking aside man hope you have an awesome birthday tomorrow um love you very much like uh, this this whole show is your idea and it's always a blast doing it and um you know we we've got a couple awesome things coming up obviously we've only got uh, let me think th- three more episodes for two more episodes for the end of the year so obviously the next one we're going to be here uh, let me think uh the 14th is it the 14th with i can never get my day straight i should probably look this shit up before i do the show close uh, it
0: would be the 14th
1: yes okay so yeah on thursday december 14th we are going to be right back here at 7 30 p.m eastern standard time at all these amazing locations and we are going to be ranking the songs of octavarium so chastity save your notes uh, <laughs> you can use them in two weeks. So, uh, yeah, we we'll be uh doing our song ranking episode number three, I believe, and it's gonna be Octavarium. So we're gonna rank those songs, and then a week after that, uh, our big fan hangout, our yearly episode, right around Christmas. It'll be on Friday, December twenty second. Why does that sound wrong to me? I just I just feel like now the dates aren't. Oh, uh, I, I don't know.
0: I don't know what date it is. No, that's right, because Christmas is the twenty is on uh, Monday.
1: Yeah. Why? Oh, it's okay. I know why. Christmas is on the twenty fifth. I am it? so fried from work that it's like, oh god, I'm I'm just out of it. But anyway, so yeah, so Friday, December twenty second at seven thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we are going to be doing our annual fan hangout, and we've got a number of great co-hosts lined up. Our good friends, uh, Chastity Crawley. And Kale McLeish coming on. We've got Heinrich from uh, Germany. He is going to talk to us about his time actually working with Dream Theater over in Germany uh, back in the mid to late 90s with the record label. Uh, Robert Husted's going to come on, so we've got him coming on. And any... Anybody else, you guys listening on the audio replay or on the YouTube replay or you guys in the chat, if you want to jump on camera and co-host with us, just shoot us an email at talkingintoinfinity@gmail.com at and you're more than welcome to come on. That is a free-form show for those of you guys who have not seen it before, and we talk about anything and everything that comes to mind. Um, always music-related, of course, uh, but you know we, we just kind of riff and have drinks and kind of celebrate the holidays together and nerd out on some Dream Theater and some music. So. Again, that'll be Friday, December 22nd. The big annual fan hangout. But before then, again, we will be on Thursday, December 14th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, ranking the songs of Octavarium. So that will wrap up another very long episode of Talking Into Infinity, a dream theater-centric podcast. Chastity Crawley has it right. Fan hangout, a.k.a. Drinking Into Infinity. Dale McLeish says, I'll more than likely be at work. Kale, just call off you've got pto stop it. <laughs> uh, so yeah brian appreciate it man hope you have an amazing birthday tomorrow guys thank you thank you so much to all of you guys for tuning in in the chat we got to see a, a, a you know surprise appearance by putziani haven't seen him in forever uh jg3 chastity kale mcleish metal person J. you guys are awesome thank you guys so much for tuning in we'll see you guys in two weeks and as always guys carpe diem